Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Granary Church Online. My name is Jake, and I am the youth pastor, one of the youth pastors here at The Granary. It's really exciting to be with you guys. This last little while, last couple of weeks, we've been going over the topic of praying without ceasing, and Theo and Sue have shared with us, and we've talked about a few different things. Um, One of my main takeaways from what Theo shared was just the impact of thanksgiving and gratitude in our relationship with God, and how it it is an absolute essential to building a trust element with with God. And and something that really jumped out to me from what Sue shared was she she shared three specific things that that help us to connect with God in the area of prayer. And the first one was just knowing that we're loved by him and how important that is. And and secondly, knowing that in communication with God in relationship with him that it's a punishment free zone. We're not there's when we communicate with him, we're not expecting punishment to come at us. He's actually full of grace and mercy and love. And what that does is it helps us and it enables us to be confidently aware of God's good intent for us as opposed to punishment or those sort of things where we're aware that his intent for us and for the world around us is good. It helps us to trust him. And through that, we're able to align our will with his and we're able to pray his prayers and pray the things that he desires for the world because our desires are aligned with his. So what I want to do today is kind of nail down a bit more on what they've already started and jump into the idea of God as a person. When we're talking about praying without ceasing, it can be a bit daunting, um, but really it's the idea of having a continual dialogue with God. One of the things that can often get in the way of that is our perspective of, of who God is and what he's like. And that's a big part of why when we talk about praying without ceasing, our focus is actually on the person of Jesus. Our focus is who are we talking to constantly and consistently in our lives. So what I want to do today is explore the idea that God is a person. He has personality. Jesus came and lived as a human, and that has implications for how we can relate to him. So I'm a visual learner, and I'm also a, uh, someone who learns from story. So what I'd love for us all to do right now, wherever you're at, close your eyes and picture in your mind your best friend. And think about them. Think about the things you guys like to do together. When I think of my best friend, I think of going on long hikes. I think of discussing Lord of the Rings. I think of playing soccer. I think of those sort of things. And when you're thinking about this friend, you, you, you probably have many inside jokes. Um, you guys share many stories that are absolutely hilarious. Some of those stories everybody knows about. Um, some of those stories only your friend knows about. And there are other stories that are really personal that, that you have actually only shared with that friend. And I want us to think about the reality that when we hang out with our friends, at times they, they go home. You know, they kind of have to do that. Unless you're married, your best friend is your spouse. But even then, you go to sleep or you go to work. And there's, there's times where that person is not present with us, even though as soon as they come back into our circle or where they can hear our voice or we send them a text or a phone call, 
the conversation that we've been having with him just picks up right where it left off. And that's a beautiful thing. The awesome thing about who God is and his power is that those times of separation are only as often as we want them to be. We can connect with him at any moment, at any second of the day. We can communicate with him, talk to him, and he can talk to us even while we're sleeping. He can speak to us through our dreams and our spirit can be connected to his at that time. And I think one of the challenges of looking at God this way actually comes in when we talk about praying for what we need as well. And this is kind of just a little aside, but as I was thinking about this, I I realized, you know, if I'm moving house, I don't hesitate to ask a friend to come to come help me move house. And if I'm, you know, wanting to watch a soccer game or something like that, I don't hesitate to invite a friend over or say, hey, do you have the game on on your TV? Can we watch it at your place? Or um, we're out of drinks. Can you bring some more drinks? Or can you grab the pizza on the way? And I think in our, our, our relationship with God, as we, as we come to see Him as a person, what can happen, one of the positive things that can happen is we can become more familiar with that sort of conversation. And I think with God, that looks like, God, I, I really need a job. And I'd really love if, if you could do something for me <laughs> in that regard, if you could put on someone's heart to, to hire me. Or maybe um, my friend is sick. And I really want them to be well. If there's anything you can do, I would really appreciate that. Or maybe you can help me understand my wife. Or maybe you can help me understand my husband. Or maybe you can help me to communicate in a way that's understood. All of those things you can actually get from friends, like, you know, from the people in your life. And it's very normal to have those conversations with them. And so as we see God as a person, it becomes normal to have those conversations with Him as well. So what I want to do is I want to jump into the Gospels from Matthew, John, and Luke and just pick three quick stories, examples of how Jesus, even though he is God and fully deified, the reality is that he is also human and a person. And I just want to show how the the, the world that we live in can sometimes push God to an unattainable, unrelatable state. But Jesus does not, does not exist in that state. He is relatable. You can talk to him. You can spend time with him. And he's not so far away or so different from you as you might think. A good example is in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 14. It says this, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The first personality and human trait that I see in Jesus in this is actually something that we can all totally relate with, and it's the fact that Jesus got frustrated. 
There were things that happened in Jesus' life that actually caused him to be frustrated. We see that by his reaction to his disciples not being able to cast out the demon. He, he said, how long am I going to be with you? Almost as if he was saying, oh my gosh, not again. <laughs> Come on, guys, you can do this. And he expressed it in a way that when you just read the text, it can seem a little bit harsh, but it was real. It was raw. It was how he felt. He was like, guys, I'm going to leave you and you're going to be the ones who carry my truth and my love ahead. And I, I know that you can do this because later on he said, look, all you guys have to do is have the tiniest bit of faith and you'll move entire mountains. So it's not that he was being rude. He was just expressing the fact that he did get frustrated and things were actually hard for him to take as well. I think that's really comforting to me because I get frustrated. And in that place, when I'm frustrated, it's good to know that God is so good and so kind that even though he gets frustrated with me, he continues to love me. He continues to spend time with me and continues to communicate with me which helps me to readjust my perspective, even in the middle of frustration, to just like Jesus here, he expressed his frustration, but immediately he he showed the disciples, you only need a little bit more than where you're at now, and you're going to be moving mountains. So he, he was frustrated, but he spoke life even in response to his own frustration, and I think that that's beautiful. The second passage that I want to explore is John chapter 11, verse 28. And this is where we see kind of Jesus experiencing some really intense pain and how he handles that as well. And the fact that he experiences pain in the same way that you and I do. So this is after Jesus finds out that his his friend Lazarus is very sick and he's on his way back to see him. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how much he loved him. What we see here is a crazy story where Jesus, his friend, has passed away and he's returning from a journey that he's been on and comes home to find that Lazarus is dead. And one of the key indicators here that Jesus is a person, that he's human, that he's not so far off and so so far beyond our pains that he can't feel it, is I, I like to, to look at the passage and to put it in today's terms. He's like, where's the body? You know, it says, where have you laid him? Where, where's the body? I want to see him. And they said, well, come and look. Come, come see this. And then it says immediately Jesus started to weep. It was as if all he could get out, the only word, the only phrase he could speak was, where is he? And then he started to break down and cry. And I think that when you see that picture, if you were to visualize Jesus walking and someone coming up to him and saying, he would have lived if you'd been here. And then, and then all he can think to ask is, where is he? 
before he breaks down and cries. It's, it's so real. It's so raw. It's so person. It's so human. And to me, that's comforting, that the God of the universe understands that, that he's with us. And so when I think about talking to him, and I think about him as a person in these two concepts, he understood our frustration, and he understood our pain. I can totally relate to that, and I can totally draw near to someone, and I'm happy to communicate with someone who experiences what I experience in a very real way. The last thing I want to explore is Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. And now this is nowhere near quite as serious as the last two, but I think it helps me to, to bring the concept of Jesus as a person home. So Luke chapter 6, in verse 1, it says this, On the Sabbath... While he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, have you not read that what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So this is a pretty quick story to give a little bit of context. On the Sabbath in ancient Israel, you were only allowed to walk a very short distance. I think it was like 50 meters on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to cook food. You weren't allowed to gather food. They would even have arguments about if my donkey falls in a ditch and breaks his leg, Am I allowed to get the donkey out of the ditch or do I have to leave it in there all day? That's how serious they were about doing nothing and observing the Sabbath. So when Jesus and his disciples were walking across this field, that might have been the first thing they did, take a walk that violated the Sabbath. And the second thing they did is they were snacking on the grain heads as they passed by. And we look at that and we think, man, how trivial, like, Is that really that big of a deal? And Jesus was the same way. He was so practical about life and so practical about the things around him. And I think that's incredibly relatable as well. When we think about the God of the universe and we think about the different things that that he does and who he is and what what he's like, it's so good to know that he's practical, that even though he is mysterious in so many ways, at the same time, If you're hungry, just grab a bite to eat. It doesn't matter what day it is. That's not the point. That's not what it's all about. And so we see that Jesus is, you know, even down to the area of snacking on something, he's incredibly practical and incredibly real and incredibly relatable. And I, I just love that picture. I love the idea that that's what he's like. So to close today, there's a, there's a prayer, which is, which is actually in song form in the way it was delivered, but it's, it's by a fellow called Keith Green, who was a really well-known worship leader in, I want to say the 80s, really, really amazing guy, had a huge heart for missions and for discipleship. And so what I want to do is I want to take everything we've just talked about, about God as a person, Jesus as a human, and the comfort that we're able to feel in that place. And again, I want us to close our eyes and picture you're in the living room. Jesus is seated on your couch and you both have a cup of coffee. And I want to take 30 seconds of silence and then I'll pray this prayer. And if you can pray it with me, what we'll do is 
Imagine we were saying this to Jesus right there in the living room, having a cup of coffee with him. So we'll just quiet ourselves before the Lord. O oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. O oh Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clean. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. I want to take your light and shine it all around but first, help me just to live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown. For my reward is bringing glory to you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. And what is it that he said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.